and welcome back to the TLDR News Podcast. I'm Jack Kelly, and this week I'm joined by Ben Blissett. Hello. And Rory Taylor. Hello. How are we doing? Good. Good. It's, it's a big day today. There's a lot going on. It is. It's a sad day, because last week we promised that the whole gang would be back together. <laughs> yeah. And Zach, Zach is next door, but just isn't here. Yeah. yeah. So, apologies for that. Next yeah. week. Next week. Next but it week is a big It is a big week. What's been, what's, what are the headlines, Ben? We just thought today we might skip the the, the beginning um, underreported stories because there is, is so much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and effectively, this all stems from the Suella Bradman being, uh, well, being sacked the other day yes. as, as Home Secretary. As Which we, we discussed last week. We did discuss last week, and I think I did, you know, we did... I wasn't here last week. I no, forgot about that. You weren't. Yeah. No, but I think I did say that. You listened though, surely, Rory. Of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah it was yeah, annoying because yeah. I was gonna. If I was in last week, I was gonna predict that David Cameron right. would be the new foreign secretary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was the obvious gutted. pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but we we did say that we thought she'd go mm-hmm. um, relatively soon. And she, she has, and there's just been a lot of stuff that's come on the back of that. Um, obviously, David Cameron, out of absolutely nowhere, is mm-hmm. now the foreign secretary. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been just... I mean, he's not living in a shed, but he certainly... Uh, <laughs> says, well, no, because he had this whole shed, didn't he, a few years ago that he spent like tens of grand on yeah, yeah. writing, writing in. Sure. So he's been... You know, in a shed. He's been writing. living in a shed, and now he's yeah. back. And now, for, for seven years. Do you think that's the back. shocking thing with his his living situation? No, I don't think. It, no, well, no. I just, I just thought it'd be sort of a humorous way. Yeah, of saying yeah, I like it. Nothing. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, has he written any books? Uh, he has. Yeah, surely. He he memoirs, memoirs, that's why he got the shed. Uh, <laughs> to write exactly. it. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Yeah, of course. Um, we so, bought a copy of that too. We helped fund a shed. Did we? Yeah, there's one copy next door. Oh, I won't be reading it. Whoa. Sorry, Dav. David. Neutrality. You're not even back in the shed. No, I know. Okay, Apologies. sorry, continue. So, so Ella Bradman went, David Cameron's back. Yeah. Um, she wrote, and, and I, I hope we'll get onto this in mm. a second, but I'll just run through the, uh, a few of the things mm. now. She wrote a resignation letter, which is incredibly damning. I mean, yeah. it, probably one of the most damning resignation letters of a cabinet minister that I can think of. Sure. Um, obviously, there's been the reaction to that. But then also separately to that, um, there's been the Rwanda decision this morning about the lawfulness of the government's um, plan to send asylum seekers to Rwanda. Mm-hmm. Then there's also the vote uh, this evening on the King's speech, and there's uh, a couple of interesting things going on there. So there's a lot, mm-hmm. there's a lot to discuss. Yeah, um, I'm sure we'll get into all of it, but I think it's probably worth starting with, um, you know, Suella Bradman being sacked yeah. and her subsequent resignation letter. Okay, let's start there. Yeah, yeah. Do, <laughs> yeah. I, I can continue yeah. talking. No, so uh, I think it is worth starting there. It's it's something that feels like it's been a long time coming. Yeah. Um, because well, firstly, she has been sacked before. Yes. Uh, but then she made her way back into cabinet pretty quickly after as Home yeah. Secretary. Um, she's been this. I, I'll use the phrase a thorn in Rishi Sunak's side. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's fair. Uh, basically, his whole time, mm-hmm. uh, even though she's on his team, you know, people have said she's been running a kind of shadow yeah. leadership campaign, um, and it got to a point where. Uh, the divisions just were too much and she went one step too far and now she's finally finally gone um but well yeah i was gonna say the resignation letter i guess it's technically she didn't resign she was she Mm -hmm. was sacked um but there was a lot of speculation about this letter that they usually do an exchange of letters when someone leaves cabinet and uh there were rumors that she was waiting to release it an opportune time to maximally damage rishi sunak so this is one of those cases where someone has gone but they don't say I'm sorry to be leaving, but I'll continue supporting you. Mm-hmm. This was, I'm not sorry to be leaving. <laughs> You're terrible, basically. She 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 went in on his judgment, his policies. She yeah. said he betrayed her. He made some promises to her that he didn't live up to, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, 
basically you need to rapidly change course i mean just at the start of the last one the mm. first thing she goes in for she really goes for the jugular she goes um uh, despite the fact that you've been rejected by a majority of party members in yeah. the summer leadership contest and have no mandate to be prime minister, I agree to support you. Then mm. goes on to list um, an agreement she claims she made yeah. with Sunak to serve in his cabinet. Um, and she says there were four things that they broadly agreed to do um, on, a, a, as conditions for her to be Home Secretary. The first is to reduce overall immigration. The second is to include what she calls notwithstanding clauses in new legislation to stop the boat. What that means is that they want to, they wanted to create new legislation that have clauses that disregard the ECHR and the HRAs. The, um, yeah. the third is the, to deliver the Northern Ireland Protocol. And the fourth is um, to protect biological sex and safeguard single-sex spaces. Mm -hmm. She then goes on to say that uh, he manifestly and repeatedly failed to, de failed to deliver uh, each and every, uh, and every one of these uh, key policies. Um, and just in case that wasn't damning enough, she said um, that part of the reason that this, this, uh, you know, that he did this was uh, either his distinctive style of uh, government means that he's incapable of doing so, or as I surely must conclude now, you never had any intention of keeping mm -hmm. your promises. I mean, it's just it's just a litany of mm -hmm. of, of just damning yeah. statements. She effectively declared war on him, really. Yeah, it really mm -hmm. has. And when you said that. She didn't say in the letter um, that she's, you know, will be supporting. Yeah. I think she did three pages, and the very last line was something like, "I'll, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be keen to support the the government for as long yeah. as." And it's like that's just yeah. untrue. Yeah. That's just you've done three pages yeah. of why you yeah. think he's a bad leader. And I think it's interesting that she she effectively suggests in that letter that she was instrumental in Rishi Sunak becoming leader by yes. lending him her support. I, I might be misremembering things or maybe I just don't know what went on behind the scenes, but I don't remember that being the case. I, th I think, I, I don't remember any specific instance of that yeah. being the case, but obviously when Sunak came in, he uh, he didn't have a mandate. It's yeah. true that he, wasn't, yeah. he, he was rejected and he needed to have the support of the wider party. Yeah. And, and, and with that, he kept a lot of the key appointments in place, which included, obviously, yeah. And I think that, to, to be fair, you know, there's a lot of that that I think is maybe a little bit oversold. But I do think it's probably true yeah. that um, had she not given him her support, uh, he, he would have found it very difficult in the, the immediate yeah, weeks of I becoming leader to keep the party it together. It kept the right of the party happy for some amount of time I mean at look, least. At, the, look yeah. at the chaos that this is causing now yeah. and this is once he's had time to shore things up can you imagine what that would have been like earlier on so I do yeah. I do I, you know I can understand that there are parts of that that I think she's maybe got a little bit of a grandiose yeah. sense of self uh, <laughs> in it but I, I think on that on that one I think she is probably to be fair quite right mm. she also moves later on to discuss Sunak's failures to deal with um, anti-semitism mm -hmm. with the uh, which, which is which is interesting as well um, and again, she she sort of doesn't doesn't hold back on that, um, saying that as on so many issues, you sought to put off tough decisions in order to minimise political risk to yourself. Um, service requires bravery and thinking of the common good. It's not about occupying the office in and of itself uh, and urging him to change course. I mean, again, it's just this isn't common with, with no, designation yeah. matters. This is this is out of this is out of the ordinary. Um, but the backlash to this has also been quite interesting. The, the sort of fallout from it, um, it's. A lot of people have obviously interpreted it as a way of, if not launching a leadership bid now, mm -hmm. um, positioning herself to be in one when mm. Sunak inevitably uh, goes. 
Um, I mean, a lot of these things that she's bringing up as issues she has with Sunak, promises that have been broken, are core talking points mm, within mm. certainly her faction of the Conservative Party, which doesn't mean that they're inauthentic, obviously, because it makes sense that she cares about kind of trans issues like migrants, kind of the the pro-Israel side of the current conflict, etc. All those things make perfect sense. Mm. But equally, the fact she's mentioning them all is a bit mm. like... Uh, come on it's like her hey guys her look here pitch. are the things that yeah. i would be doing i don't know yeah mm. it's it's re- it is really obvious and it's really obvious as you say that she's going for these talking points yeah. i think um alison pearson from the telegraph described the the way the letter was written as if she'd ri- typed it in fire uh, <laughs> which is uh which is an interesting quote but I, I do think yeah as you say it's not only trying to be incredibly damning yeah but also trying to set out her own story yes um, on every talking point you could imagine. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And and this, to be fair to her, it seems to be really riling up, up the right yeah. of the party. And there's obviously been talk since then of letters going mm-hmm. in. And um, there's been a lot of like supportive words towards Braverman and yeah. against her, her sacking. Mm-hmm. And obviously this is only made worse for Sunak by the fact that he brought Cameron on, mm-hmm. who is obviously seen as a more of a moderate within the party. Yeah. Um, and it's seen as him trying to sort of shift and, and maybe okay. alienate the right of the party mm. a little bit. So let's talk about Cameron briefly, and then we should loop back to the sure. division, because you're right, the Cameron element, like one part of the upset on the right is the fact Braverman's out. The kind of salt in the wound for them <laughs> is the fact that Cameron is being put yeah. in that position. So do we want to talk about Cameron quickly, and then we'll loop back to how yeah, those two yeah. things tie yeah. together. So David Cameron's the new Foreign Secretary, yes. so James Cleverly moved from Foreign to Home Secretary, which... Mm-hmm. I think it's probably the worst, going from the best job to the worst job yeah, in sure. government. Yeah. Um, and then David Cameron flown into the House of Lords to be Foreign Secretary. Mm-hmm. Um, the very, on Monday morning as well. Like yeah. it's, in, it's incredible how quickly he was yeah. given that. Image. It's almost like it shouldn't be that easy. <laughs> yeah. Like, how are you able to make someone a lord for life that quickly? When you think about how much, how long the, uh, how long it takes for the resignation honours list mm. to go through and things, like, this was this was rapid. Yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, so he's in now, foreign secretary. Um, this was. There's so many things to say. Sure. So many things to say about it, but it's definitely a signal back to more centrist conservative politics, mm-hmm. I guess. And um, there's not really any other way of seeing it. I think. Um, I think Sunak will be hoping that this will kind of appease or at least kind of dampen the worries of the blue wall conservatives who think the party have gone a bit too far mm-hmm. to the right um, and might be thinking about voting Lib Dem. Yeah. So it's shoring up that base. But then some people have said this is Sunak just abandoning the red wall and other other places they might want to win and just going into a purely defensive mode of trying to win those their, their kind of homeland. Mm. Um, I think the most, well, I, one of the most interesting things to me is that Sunak had just a few weeks ago, he did that speech a few months in the conference, whenever it was, effectively saying the last 30 years have been failure on conservative and Labour sides. Mm -hmm. I'm the change candidate now. Yeah. It's, you know, if you want something different, vote for me. And now he's brought back in the Prime Minister from 2010 to 2016. One of the people who was just attacking. Yeah, I don't know how he can frame himself as the change candidate, given that he's done Mm -hmm. that. Um, There's also some anger from Conservative MPs who effectively said, well, look, you're, by bringing in someone who was outside of politics, mm-hmm. you're saying that none of us, none yeah. of us, 300 and whatever MPs were good enough to be foreign secretary. Yeah. Um, which is it's not, a, not, not a great... Interpret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's not a great endorsement when you're the leader of that party yeah. and you're kind of making that... Making I that also, I, I've heard so much discussion about how, obviously, experienced David Cameron mm-hmm. is, you know, he understands the office. But just to be clear, I mean, 
I, I know that the Prime Minister obviously has a lot of overs oversight of, of foreign issues, but he hasn't been Foreign Secretary. And more importantly, he hasn't been in politics for seven years. So much has changed. Like, if you think back to how government operated yeah. and the professionalism within government, whether you agree with it or, you know, agree with, with how they're acting or not, but you... Um, of the, the 2010 to 15, 16 period. Sure. Um, it's just, it's a different world. Mm -hmm. And he's not, he's not been in and amongst that. The debates that we're having, the social issues, the, the, the inter, even like the international stage has completely mm -hmm. changed. You know, war, war in Ukraine, war with Israel and Gaza, you know, social issues like transgender issues are, are a lot more prominent now. Um, this whole like woke divide, mm -hmm. the, the divide within the, con con the Conservative Party itself. All of this uh, is true now. And Cameron has been outside of that. He's yeah. not been a journalist. He's well, been in a shed. He's been in a shed. <laughs> like, what? Well, so I just, this this argument that people put forward that he's got a lot of experience, yes, of course he's had experience of Prime Minister, and I'm sure that will be useful. But I do think it can be overstated. Mm -hmm. And I do think that the thing that people aren't talking about is the fact that he's just been out of the political sphere for so I think, long. I think there are world leaders and diplomats who will see him, like, rather than elevating a random Tory MP mm. to being foreign secretary, I guess Sunak sees there is value in having someone who's recognisable yes. and has some kind of um, weight behind mm -hmm. them. Uh, I mean, yeah, he hasn't been foreign secretary, but prime minister of six years is pretty strong pretty background. Good. Yeah. Um, and also, I think he, as foreign secretary, you can kind of avoid the the more domestic issues mm -hmm. and the divides in the party because any time a journalist asks you about it, you can kind of say, look, you can avoid there's a war on. By sitting in the well, that, there's that yeah, as well. Yeah, that's also true. Um, you can effectively say, look, I'm focused on these yeah. pressing global issues. I'm not going to talk about this And that's this part of the stuff. reason why you say that foreign secretary is such a good job exactly. and home is such a bad job. Yes. It's because, <laughs> yeah. especially yeah, with true. ongoing wars, you can deflect so easily. Yeah. Yeah. Just um, throw your backing behind Sonak a little bit and then yeah. move on. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to avoid a vote, you can fly to somewhere across the world and yes. not do it. Very true. Um, but equally, he, he's a controversial appointment as well, not just because he's been away for seven years yeah. and stuff, but the various lobbying scandals, mm -hmm. Green Sill, and then also this one about this um, port project that's part mm -hmm. of China's Belt and Road Initiative. He's apparently been lobbying for investment for that. I think it's a pork thing. No, I thought you were making a project. Oh, no, that's a yeah, very different. Yeah. 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 Um, so he's not without baggage, you know, yeah. in this job. And I think that that could cause some trouble. But in terms of... Sorry, do you want to jump uh, in? Not, well, I was going to move it on slightly. Oh, right. So I was going to say, say. I, it's, I don't think... It's one of these things where you can ask the question, is this going to damage Sunak? Is this mm -hmm. going to help him? I don't think it will damage him, but like, it's not going to change the, sure. the, the, the kind of arithmetic no one's, going ahead No one's significantly changing their voting decisions no, based I, I on David Cameron. So. Yeah. No. I, um, well, maybe not no one. I guess Braverman is particularly unpopular yeah. with more centrists, so maybe, maybe. Mm. I think rather than the appointment itself having an impact, the general, if this is a general shift back a vibe towards shift. the centre, then that could yeah. have an impact. Yeah. I just as well, uh, when I've been speaking to you know people that, that I know that are sort of interested but only tangentially in politics, the thing that people often ask is, oh, but where's EMP for? And it's like, well, mm. I, I, know, I know we referenced this earlier, but it's worth just, just talking about it a little bit more, which is that he isn't. He isn't an MP for mm -hmm. anywhere. He was the MP for Whitney. He stepped down after, um, you know, he stepped down as prime minister. I think he, left, he continued as an MP for a very short amount of yeah. time and then stepped down. Mm. So he's he's not been there. So obviously he's been appointed to the Lords. And it is possible to be a minister and even mm -hmm. a cabinet minister in the Lords. It's very uncommon. Yeah. Um, the last time a foreign secretary was in the Lords was Lord Carrington under Thatcher, who mm. resigned over the Falklands War. But that was that was, that was was in the 80s. It's incredibly uncommon. And, and Part of that is that you don't get scrutiny within the Commons from elected people. His authority for the Foreign Ministry doesn't really derive from anywhere, and he doesn't get 
the, the the same level of scrutiny as you would get in the commons. You're being held to account by people who, for a large part, it's a part-time job being mm-hmm. a, a member of the House of Lords. You're not elected. You're not really tied into the news cycle by virtue of the fact that you're there for life. Yeah. The, the level of scrutiny that he's going to be subjected to is going to be a lot lower than other um, foreign secretaries. And any time that anything needs to happen within the Commons, any time the foreign minister questions anything, he'll have to be a junior minister, minister yeah. within the foreign office that's going to have to go mm-hmm. and take his place. Um, I, and it's, I, I don't know, I just, I, I re, you know, I like to think that they haven't done this as a way to avoid scrutiny. I don't think that that is the motivation, but it is a byproduct of that decision. Sure. And mm. whether they've considered that and that is part of the decision making mm-hmm. is still an open question. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I... I I think it's. Um, I, I don't think it's good for scrutiny. I really don't. For sure. So those are the two sides of this coin: Bradman being kicked out, annoying the right; mm. Cameron being brought in, annoying the right. <laughs> and we obviously talk about the kind of maybe electoral advantages to maybe tacking back towards the centre, picking up some more kind of southern Tory voters that maybe have been pulled towards Lib Dem of late. But equally, you're going to be seeing right-wingers both within the party and also right-wing voters being upset by this. And we, you mentioned this already, Ben, obviously less of no confidence potentially going in yeah. and just generally more division in the party. So what have we seen already in reaction to this? Well, um, there's been, there was a meeting almost immediately after of, of the right of the Conservative mm-hmm. Party, after Swala Bravman went, and they were trying to consider their, you know, consider what their response would be. Sure. Then... Um, and we'll get onto this later, but there's been the Rwanda decision, and on the back of that, there's been another, there's been another um, uh, discussion with them. Yeah, it seems like there's been a lot of sort of lip service paid to Suella Braverman, mm-hmm. which is obviously designed to suggest that there is support for her, yeah, and that to try and signal to the government that this was the wrong decision getting mm-hmm. rid of her. And the other thing is that it's not that she's just been gotten rid of, she's not been replaced by someone on the right. David Cameron's been brought in, who yeah. is of the centre. So there's been a lot of sort of lip service so far. There's been t- Andrea Jenkins, Dame Andrea Jenkins, is the only person that we know of so far who has publicly put on the record that mm-hmm. she's put a no confidence mm-hmm. letter in. But there's been suggestions today that there's been an additional six that's been sent in. And there's obviously been the, the classic chatter on Twitter and amongst journalists that, um, you know, that, that there's going to be a concerted effort within the next few weeks of the, the right of the Conservative Party to try and force a vote of mm-hmm. no confidence, which would require 53 MPs. So mm-hmm. six isn't isn't all that um, impressive yet. But I suppose their point is, is that they're not doing it yet. Yeah. They're still waiting on um, Sunak's uh, um, press conference later about mm-hmm. the Rwanda decision. Yeah. Um, and they're sort of holding back at the minute. But I think just given the, the level of support being shown, given the fact that this has coincided with Rwanda, mm-hmm. given that he's made things worse with the right by appointing yeah. Cameron, I do think that I would I see it as likely that in the next few weeks that the letter threshold could be reached. I think Sunak will win it comfortably. Sure. I don't think there's any chance that he's going to be um, unseated as prime minister, but... I do think that there is a, I think this is the the, the biggest uh, um, threat that he's had mm. of a no confidence vote mm-hmm. of his premiership. Yeah. Right. I think absolutely the biggest threat, um, but yeah, it, ju- it would just be crazy for Conservative MPs to change leader again. I, oh, it yeah. would, but yeah. <laughs> that's what, that's yeah. where we're at. And I, and I think if I was Suella, Suella Bravman, I would think if I want to be leader, mm-hmm you're best to wait for Rishi Sunak to lose the next election and that say, look, true. he lost because he went back to the centre. I'm going to come in and do all the stuff we should have done. The hard but then she stuff. has to yeah. wait five years for an election. So the question is yeah. whether she does it now because she wants to contest an election and get in early. Also, if they lose, um, you know, 
post 97 mm. you had a string of, of Tory yeah. leaders because they couldn't hold a party together so the, 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 the Tory leader after the next election probably isn't going to be the leader, the leader going into the next no. election yeah. so that might be building into her decision of yeah. trying to force it now because if she does um, become the leader right after Sunak it's unlikely she's mm. going to make it to an election so more yeah. division then yeah more, yeah. more division it's, it's, the, it's the classic it's, the, it's the, the, the story that we sort of keep coming back to on mm. this podcast yeah. and have done for the last year which is that the the Tories are in this doom spiral of polling's getting worse. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to fix it. Um, each of the factions are getting annoyed that it's the other one that's causing the problems, and it's just ripping itself apart. And and this is just another symptom of that. And another issue they're facing is the Rwanda decision, which you yeah. mentioned, which is another bad moment for Swella Braverman this week, um, and is also another thing that's kind of pulling on those tensions mm. between elements of the party. So this is a ruling that came out this morning from the Supreme Court. Do you want to have a quick overview? I imagine people are vaguely aware of what's yeah. happened, but quickly, what is the vibe and what does it mean? Basically, this was on the government's flagship Rwanda plan, mm-hmm. which effectively their, their aim was to deport asylum seekers who crossed the channel, deport them to Rwanda. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it never happened. It still, well, it won't happen now, but it never happened even after they first announced it because of a long legal process. Yeah. Um, and it's gone through the courts, various levels. And now the Supreme, Supreme Court has finally said it is unlawful because mm-hmm. Rwanda is not a safe country to send refugees and asylum seekers to. Sure. Um, so the government can't kind of really go any further mm-hmm. up the legal system there. Um, so that leaves the government in a tricky situation where do they just say, look, fair enough, yeah. we won't do it. We've got other elements to our immigration policy. We'll just focus on those. Or do they, do they kind of do what some of the Tory right have already started doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, one MP, Brendan Clark-Smith, I think he shared the Enemies of the People headline again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee Anderson, Deputy Chair of the Tory Party, has said they should just send the flights anyway and ignore the Supreme Court. Yeah. You know, these are really just, serious I, things I that are being said. I just pick up on that. Yeah. That's breaking the law, yeah. is what that yeah. is. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 I'm not an angry having at you, but it's just, yeah. it's just the way that the, the right always try and portray this of ignoring the Supreme, yes. ignoring the Supreme Court judgment is breaking the law. That's yeah. what that is. And uh, breaking international law as well. Um, it is wild the lack of respect the Supreme Court gets in the UK. I, yeah. Like I feel like in the US, if the Supreme Court comes to a ruling, it's like, yeah. damn, they've made a decision yeah. and this is what's happening. I think people Here it's like, forget we have who, a Supreme who said Court. that? Like, yeah. we, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah. We're just we're, we're the government. We're just anyway, it's, it's, like, this, it's this duality of we don't like the government making um, decisions. Mm-hmm. But then when the Supreme Court goes, you're right, there shouldn't be, people go, well, you, you can't tell yeah. them that. It's like, and it's also not even like they're making a decision. They're, they're enforcing the laws that the government have approved mm. or yeah. passed or whatever. Like, yeah. this isn't some sinister third body getting involved. This is the government's own rules. And if they want to change those rules, that might be unpopular, but like, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Not just sending some, <laughs> some random flights. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it sparked a whole this whole new discussion. Well, not new, mm. re kind of revived this discussion about leaving the ECHR. Yes, which is a big kind of I think a, a, a misdirection really because if you actually read the Supreme Court's judgment, they mm-hmm. say that effectively the decision was about this this uh, the fact that you can't send refugees back to a country where they're at risk of persecution sure. and that includes if you send them to somewhere like rwanda and then rwanda sends them back to their home country mm-hmm. you as the first country are responsible for that yeah so the supreme court said um this is a core principle of international law and that asylum seekers are protected against it by several international treaties ratified by the uk not just the echr mm-hmm. but the un refugee convention convention against torture convention on civil and political rights as well as lots of domestic legislation as well so yeah. if we left the echr it that still wouldn't be lawful. Issue. Yeah. Um, but then I guess you might get these people saying, well, let's leave the let's UN. Let's leave all those other <laughs> things too. Yeah. But um, 
the, the decision uh, was not a, not a decision on whether it was unlawful to just send mm-hmm. asylum seekers to another country. It was specifically about Rwanda yes. and whether that was a safe country or not. So they've decided Rwanda is not a safe country. So in theory, the government could come to another agreement with another country. Yes. And then we'd probably go through the whole thing again where mm-hmm. like people would say, actually, you can't do this. And we yeah. Could, you know, it'd be like deja vu. But it doesn't it doesn't rule out the idea of, of offshore processing sure. or deportation effectively. So yeah. that is an option the government might do and they might say if we'll still explore time. these things. But again, yeah, yeah, if there's an election in a year's time... There has to be, yeah, pretty they, much. There's no... They, they can't make any meaningful process no. progress on this, really. I Yeah, I, I just... I was going to bring up the Lee Anderson thing yeah. as well. I just think that's that's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, he's the deputy chair of yeah, the Yeah, he's not just a backbencher. Mm, no. Second in command of the of the ruling party. I just and, and it was this precedent set under Johnson that you can say in a prominent position that your position as government, as the government of the United Kingdom, that you can break the law. Mm-hmm. That, that that is an option available to yeah. you. That is not an option available to you. That should not ever be an option available to a government. And and up until this point, up until Johnson, that was not mm-hmm. an option available to government. And it's just perpetuating that. And I, I find the lack of coverage about that and the fact that certain mm. right-wing papers are covering it as if um, he's saying, it's oh, optional. we'll just, we'll just, yeah, it's optional. Yeah. We'll dis- that we'll just disagree with the Supreme Court judgment. You can't. You yeah. can't. That, that is not your power. That's why we have separation of powers in the, within this country. That's why the Supreme Court has the power to tell you you can't do a thing. Is because you, you as the government, are not. You're not an authoritarian state. You do not have that power. I find that the, the lack of attention paid to that remarkable, and the deliberate wording by certain papers in this country about that mm-hmm. remarkable mm-hmm. as well. But that that is that is one thing. But the um, other MPs, you know, Simon Clark, etc., saying about trying to leave the ECHR. I, I do really think that if. Sunak doesn't say that he's going to plan that. I think that's going to annoy the right even further on mm-hmm. top of this. And I think that part of the reason that we, we're not seeing more letters sent in at this point is because they're waiting to see whether he commits to that, yeah. waiting to see whether they can exert influence and pressure on him to try and get him to commit to leaving the ETHR. I don't think he will. I don't think, I, I think ultimately, I think he knows that that's something that he, he shouldn't do. And I think that he'll draw a line there. And I think that, that is another reason why I think a vote of no confidence is, is likely. Sure. Because I think that when he says, no, I'm not going to leave mm-hmm. the ECHR, I think that's going to be the time when those on the right pounce. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of issues. Yeah. Lots of things going on this week. Suella Bravman finds herself at the centre of oh so many of them. Is there anything else you want to touch on? In this mammoth week of <laughs> weird news. Day. Day of news. Yeah. Well. yeah. Um, just one other very quick thing is that, just in case there isn't enough happening today, there is the, the vote on the King's speech later mm-hmm. at, um, at 7 o'clock today. We're, we're recording this about midday yeah. um, on Wednesday, so we, we haven't seen this yet. But um, the S&P have, have uh, tabled a motion which calls for a ceasefire between, um, well, in Israel and Gaza. Um, obviously... Labour's in a particularly odd position in that the leadership is saying that they don't support humanitarian ceasefire, yeah. they support instead humanitarian pauses. However, there's a lot of Labour MPs that do back a ceasefire. Mm-hmm. So the, the Labour leadership has said that they're not going to be engaging with this SNP motion. They've tried to reassure their other their, you know, the Labour MPs that don't worry, we're we're doing our own amendment at some point we're having our own motion on this okay so you can you can you can sort that out you can ignore this one you can ignore the this SNP one, one this doesn't is, matter this is, this is put forward by the SNP okay we'll, we'll do our own later as well. we'll do our own one but obviously that that doesn't mean well I presume there'll be a lot of Labour MPs that will uh, firstly back a ceasefire over a humanitarian mm-hmm. wars yeah and secondly won't see the fact that it's by the SNP as, as being yeah. that bad yeah 
So the, the, the thing to keep an eye on is whether Labour MPs do back that mm-hmm. and subsequently what punishment they get for that. Um, because, you know, it's the King's speech, which is usually seen as like a, a confidence issue mm-hmm. for the government. And Labour will probably see this as an important vote. Sure. So people vote against it. There is a fear tonight that some Labour MPs could lose the whip for voting. Um, and there's shadow. They're expecting like quite a few shadow mm-hmm. cabinet, uh, shadow cabinet ministers uh, to lose. Not well, no, not, maybe not lose the whip, but just be kicked out of their shadow ministries. Mm. Um, I don't know exactly how serious it will be, whether it will be losing the whip or not. But, sure. Um, yeah, I think there's going to, despite this this attempt to appease them, it, because it still doesn't call for ceasefire, I think there probably will be quite a few people who break mm. Labour's yeah. line on that. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Division well, okay. across the board. Yeah. yeah. So much division. Yeah. I think we should move on. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go to the world leader leaderboard. Yes. Okay, so as always, we'll do our winners and losers of the week. We'll move them around on the board and we'll see where everyone shakes out. Now, this may be the last episode in this current setup. Mm. No commitment as to what that sentence means. No. But this could be an impactful last chance for the board in its current state. So... Rory, starting with you, who is your winner of the week? My winner of the week, oh, he's already on the board. Okay. I'm going to move him up. It's Pedro Sanchez, the Spanish oh. Prime Minister. Where is it? That's oh. him there. So this is a controversial one because I think you could make the argument that he should go up or should go down. Okay. My argument that he should go up is that sometime, I think this time tomorrow, he'll probably be Prime Minister, he'll be made Prime Minister of Spain again. Yes. Um, I think that's a significant achievement considering he called a snap election having had terrible results in local elections and everyone expected this right-wing coalition to come to power Mm -hmm. and him to you know to lose he's managed to forge an agreement with various smaller parties in the spanish parliament including the uh, pro-independence catalan pro-catalan independence Mm -hmm. parties um to support him to become prime minister but at the uh, in exchange for an amnesty law which will effectively grant amnesty to all of those Catalan independence mm-hmm. politicians and activists who tried to secede from Spain. Yeah. Um, the reason why you could say this is bad for him is because it's sparked big protests, especially from the right on uh, right of this kind of Spanish political mm-hmm. spectrum who are massively opposed to this. Um, so maybe in the future, we'll see how it goes for him. But I think fundamentally he is prime minister. He, he is about to be made prime minister again. No yeah. one really expected that. So that's a good, a good week. That sounds I think, pretty in good. General. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, who's your winner of the week? Well, it's uh, David Cameron. Wow. Whoa. You know, he, he's out of the shed. He's out of the shed. He found his keys. He made his way out of the shed. Yeah. And in, straight into the foreign office. Straight into the top of the board. Straight into the top of the board as well, as you say. I don't even think we need to explain it anymore. I think we've, I think we've explained it, it more yeah. than enough. Yeah. So that, that's that's where he is. Rory, mm-hmm. your loser yeah. of the week. Uh, my loser of the week is new to the new board. New entry. And someone I'm surprised we haven't had before. Xi Jinping. The Xi Chinese Jinping. Premier. Trump. Donald Trump down there. Yeah. So uh, I've got two sort of reasons for this. One's a kind of slightly longer term mm-hmm. thing where there's been this kind of series of Chinese ministers disappearing for a while and then getting removed from the from their kind of cabinet positions. Sure. Um, two in, in the last few months have been Li Shang Fu and Qin Gang, defense minister or former defense minister and former foreign minister. Mm-hmm. Very high profile people kind of who were raised up under Xi Jinping, but they've gone not for any. Uh, official reason but speculation about corruption and sure. affairs and all sorts of things so it's, it's a pretty bad look um especially when you've got like two months of no defense minister and yes. no one really says anything um, and also there's also just some general economic 
bad news mm-hmm. for China. Um, I think their property market's a bit sluggish and growth isn't as high as people want it to be. Yeah. Um, if Zach was here, he'd have lots more to say about that. Sure. But basically, bad economic vibes from China. Bad vibes. So that's also why it's going down. Okay. Yeah. Ben, your loser of the week. Yeah, bad vibes as well. Bad Wish vibes. No, he's hit the bottom. He's, he's hit the, the Modi tier. He has. Wow. He's I almost just, off screen. He's got so low. He's, he's had an, just a shocker. That's an fair. Absolute That's totally fair. Week, uh, which we've discussed. I know that it's quite boring because you, you, you've come in and you've given you know very very yeah, detailed well. explanations to each of them, and I've just gone. Look what I just said. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah so um, I do feel bad, but it, I think it makes sense. I yeah. feel uh, feel obliged that to point out one slight kind of spark of, of joy for Rishi Sunak this week. doesn't really outweigh other things, sure. perhaps, but um, he met his inflation target of halving inflation this year, so... 4.6%. Good on him. I thought yeah. you were going to say something like it was his dog's birthday oh, no. or something. <laughs> no. Actually, I shouldn't downplay it too much. That's it's pretty quite good. a big deal inflation yeah. has come down, but uh, some would say it's more of the Bank of England's responsibility to do Some would also say yeah. it doesn't overwrite yeah. all of the rest of the stuff yeah. we talked about. Yeah. But it's a good point. Yeah. It's a nice tweet. Yeah. <laughs> and who says we're not balanced yeah there we go, there go. that's the end <laughs> I think that was a good one that yeah. was a cracker <laughs> <laughs>